Sophia, I'm so excited to go to America tomorrow. What do you think it'll be like? Oh, well, if you have both a CrossFit gym and have never heard about the Holocaust, you can run for Congress. And if you are the vice president, even you can run into crippling medical debt. I've heard that you can say dumb shit on the internet and people will listen to you. And if enough people listen to you, you can get a 2 a.m. talk show. That's true. And best of all, if you are a turban to the airport, you can experience a little bit of prostate play. Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2016's The Tiger Hunter. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. This is a wonderful independent movie that apparently premiered at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. I think it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. It stars Danny Pudi. From Community. And just about every other Indian or Pakistani actor you've ever seen on TV. True facts. And also some people who are not, and just, you'd never, like, you've seen them before, but you'll never, ever, ever be able to tell me one other work they've been in. Stand-up comedian Kevin Pollack is in this movie. Kind of. I mean, he's there, but he's not a big role. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> what do we want to talk about first? I don't know if there's much I want to discuss beforehand. You? Okay. No, not, not really. I really enjoyed this movie. Let's roll into the synopsis. Yeah, so we start with a nice title card. Shows you location and year. <laughs> yes. Now, so what we get is a narrated dream sequence. And I thought this was going to be a very different movie at first. Because... It was all about the main character, Sami, and his adoration for his father, the famous tiger hunter of the village. Yeah. This movie is set in 1979 for most of it, but this is very clearly, let's call it 20 years before. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, this is, yeah, because Sami looks like he's maybe 26 or 27. Yeah. Yeah. So, in this sequence, Sami's father is hunting a man-eating tiger that has mauled several people. And this is a thing that happens occasionally in places like India. It's it's much more rare than like people tend to think in the popular imagination. But typically a tiger that is like old or injured and can't hunt its natural prey will, you know, instead of starving to death, turn on the relatively defenseless human population. Big problem for the tiger, humans have guns. Yeah. Right before we get the flashback, though, less than a minute into the movie, the narration tells us our character's motivation. I go, great, guys. I mean, cut right to the chase, but still. Yeah, so the motivation is to achieve greatness like his father. Now, granted, that's broad enough that, you know, it's still an interesting movie. Yeah. And also number two, impress a girl. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. And the girl is very, very pretty. I don't actually... Uh, Karen David. Hmm. And this is Ruby Iqbal. Yeah, so 
we we get that and there's a bollywood sequence in the guy's dream where his father has killed this tiger successfully and everyone in the village has a big party slash bollywood music number and it is delightful i wrote that there's a lot of exposition here but it also kind of follows the pope in the pool principle are you familiar enlighten our listeners sure so i learned about this i guess really well-respected screenwriting book called save the cat it's a teaching tool for like a lot of movie shorthand and one of them is called the pope in the pool where if you have to deliver exposition you should give your audience something to look at Mm -hmm. to keep them engaged a youtuber i follow refers to this as margot robbie in the bath in the big short oh okay where they're like fair we have to explain these financial concepts for you to understand this movie in the slightest and we know that's boring we don't want to glaze your eyes over so here's something to entertain your eyes basically so i think they did that nicely (laughs) yeah yeah very much so yeah without the bollywood number this would be immediately dull exposition about you know rustic rural indian stuff there was a really cute thing where the kids of the village also looked up to sami's dad and they did that by like smearing a mustache yeah yes very cute (laughs) with like shoe polish or oil or something there's so much of this movie that's like oh that's so cute that's so adorable yeah and then there's the rest of it where you're just like oh that's actually heartbreaking yeah. So, Sami, his father, after killing this tiger, sold off a lot of his possessions to put Sami through the best British school in India. We'll come back to that! <laughs> yes. I thought it was very curious, in light of the rest of the movie, that Sami refers to the hunting equipment that got sold as it made his father who he was. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about that. There is, but... Yeah, we don't... we later not for now yeah later but it was like they mentioned legacy and that's something i want to talk about at the very end Mm -hmm. and then i thought it was really nice that his dad and his dad has a name it's never said what it's in the captions and i just can't remember it me neither me neither but it was like oh he sacrificed things that were important to him so his child could have a better life yeah i definitely i like it. it it's unfortunate that it kind of like plays out that way but you know such as life. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what we can do? Blame the British. Oh, you better believe I will. We have an entire analysis section coming up, and <laughs> we have to talk about... Oh, baby, we're talking about some British stuff. Yeah. But now he's an adult. He works as kind of an engineer. He's the village repairman more than yes. like an engineer. And that's a, that's a, you know, a perfectly noble thing to do with mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. But it's not great. No. And that's what Sammy's looking for. Yes. Let's see. They say that tire hunting is no longer dignified because a bunch of British douchebags got into it, I guess. Well, white douchebags. Yeah. Poachers is, is what they say. And, like, you see a bunch, and there are a couple of, like, Indian poachers in, mm-hmm. the, in this montage, but it's a lot of white dudes. So tiger hunting, like... As a defensive measure is one thing. Tiger hunting for pelts? Eh, fuck yeah. So, yeah, tiger hunting is not a good gig for Sami to be in anymore. It's not great. It's full of schlubs. I mean, I don't think he ever would have been in it, but that's beside the point. I don't know. Like, I think I think it would be really cool to see Danny Pudi, like, 
stretch into that sort of thing more than like the skinny nerdy engineering stuff oh i forgot to mention danny pudi's affecting an accent for this movie it makes sense and it may have at one point been his natural accent but that's not how he talks presently no it's not and it's something that i I thought about but i don't really have anything for it i think it's just if you're picturing danny pudi you're probably thinking of his normal voice. I just want to make it clear for the imagination of our audience who yeah. not necessarily watching that like, no, he's, he has an accent. Yeah. So he's speaking all this dialogue with an Indian accent and I'm not a good judge of accents really, but I mean, it sounds like most of the Indian people I've, I've ever yeah. met. So I'm like, okay, cool. The reason that I, I'm like a little bit messed up by this is like, he played a Palestinian in community and like, spoke arabic with what i am I, I i can't remember but i think it was a reasonably like good accent yeah you know what's funny now that you say that his dad in community is general iqbal in general this iqbal. movie that's right he is oh my god i just thought about that that's amazing yeah so you only see abed's father in community in like the first season and then like maybe a time or two after that is like a one-off back reference callback. That's what I was looking for. But yeah, it general Iqbal. The actor's name is Iqbal Theba. He was also in Glee as the principal, if that means anything to anyone. I didn't watch Glee. Surprising no one. <laughs> but yeah, this guy's around. They're kind of in the same, they've done a lot of the same jobs. Yeah. Also, general Iqbal is my next note in that military douches are the same. <laughs> Yep. The Indian army was trained by the British and a lot of military culture from Britain kind of pervades ours. So it does feel like they're the same. Although I will say that in reality, they are very different and not in a good way necessarily. Like there's a lot of problems. Certainly. Yeah. But the reason he is important is because Sami is in love with his daughter, Ruby. And Ruby loves Sami back. Which is not enough. Sami has to get her father's permission to marry Ruby. Yeah. I did notice this wasn't a fully arranged marriage situation, which I thought not was 100%, curious. 100%, yeah. But it is essentially like... It's an approval process. The parents process. are deeply involved. Yeah. Yeah. But there's more wiggle room than just, this is who you will marry. Yeah. So my understanding is that this is not unheard of. Mm -hmm. Obviously, cultures advancing as they do through the, you know, endless march of history, where, you know, progress is kind of changing this. But my understanding is this is still not particularly uncommon. Okay. So General Iqbal wants Ruby to marry someone in America. So Sami says, I will get a job in America. That way I will be a possible suitor in Mm -hmm. ruby's father's eyes yes so we see (laughs) sami is working his job and has sabotaged ruby's moped so that she has to ask him for a ride home it's so i clocked this especially the second time it was very clear to me i was like oh yeah she knows she knows oh i glazed over that he was doing that Until they explicitly call it out. Yeah, he pulls some wiring from her moped and then, like, 
she comes up to him in the shop and is like, hi, my scooter broke down. Can you give me a ride home? <laughs> Which obviously, because this is actually a very funny comedy. He's it's like cute. It, yeah, it's he's, he's got this big, cute smile on. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. This is happening. Hell yeah. And then his boss turns around and goes, hey, Sami, my bike's broken, too. Can I get a ride? <laughs> <laughs> Something else that happens in this scene that does get called back to. So I do want to make mention mm-hmm. is that. Someone needs something fixed. I don't quite remember what it is. It's not really important what it is, but they can't pay. So he says, okay, I'll fix it for free. Just yeah. give me samosas, I think is what he yeah. asked for. He, he asked for a, a couple of her superior samosas. Yeah. And she goes, you're just like your father. And yeah. like that's really important to this yeah. whole movie. Indeed. It, it, it's a surprisingly subtle line, especially like, it's polite to like compliment somebody who's doing free work for you, but it mm-hmm. ends up coming back. So yeah, Sami is good at his job and he's willing to do it for, you know, occasionally for free, which there are people who will exploit it. <laughs> so the next customer brings up a radio and uh, it's him and his son. And Sami immediately is like, no, 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 I can't do this for free. I'll get fired. And the guy's like, no, 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 not for free. Pulls out one single coin and sets it down on the table. And when Sami looks at him like, nope, that's not enough. The kid starts going, but I only have a week to live and I want to hear the cricket match. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, come on. He agrees to fix it in the end, though. So Sami has been applying to jobs in America. He gets an acceptance from a company called Gradient Technologies in Chicago. So he... Has to get to America somehow, and the village comes together to fund his, yeah, helps him, gets him his ticket. And so, like, a lot of people are, like, the woman who he worked for free for apparently sold a necklace so that she could have some money to contribute. And then Ruby sold her moped so that she could give him some money. It was always breaking down, tee-hee-hee. And the radio scammers, they sold the radio saying that they'd rather hear about his exploits in America than cricket matches, which are surely fixed. Who fixes cricket? I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) Who cares about cricket? Not important. Well, India and Pakistan. Okay. But something I thought was really cool is, like, you don't get this type of community in present-day America. Maybe in 70s America? Probably not. But... Nope. Listen, I wasn't here. I can't say for sure. But... Yeah, like, this is a type of community that's so lovely, and we should all be so lucky. It is very nice that the entire community is willing to throw down to make sure this one kid in the village gets to America. It's, yeah, it it just, it doesn't happen here, and it is delightful. And they throw him a big party, going away party. Yeah, or if it does kind of happen here in America, it's people, like, spending disposable income. They are not giving up important things. Right, right, right. The idea of of sacrificing for somebody who is not related to you is vanishingly rare. Yeah, we don't get that far. But we also are in kind of a better situation that we don't necessarily have to. True, true. And, you know, this is part of what I, I was saying about, like, I mentioned in a previous episode that, like, communities where the state has failed, people come together and take care of themselves and each other. This is just that manifest like the indian state is in the village it's not really a 
thing. Like it's it's there, but not really. So you look out for each other. But they have the party. His mother. It's very, very much a motherly thing. Mm-hmm. That like she's happy for him, but also doesn't want him to go because she'll miss him. And it's I. I doesn't want him to take up drinking. Mm-hmm. Do you know if that's a thing in Hinduism? I don't know if this character is Hindu, but it's as far as I know, it's not. Okay, but I may be incorrect in that. I know. Okay, so during the party, they kind of throw a couple of phrases back and forth. And they're in Urdu, which is spoken in Pakistan, mm-hmm. but they're in India. So I assume they're in kind of like a uh, Western side of India that's, you know, closer to Pakistan. But I, I, again, I don't know any of this for sure. Speculation and whatnot. Yeah. So it's, I, I, I can hear the Urdu. I speak Farsi. So like I recognized, you know, they say Shukriya and Khud uh, Hafez, which are like in Arabic. Shukran is how you say thank you. And then Khulafez is Farsi for welcome. So I guess in Urdu, it's it's like a, you know, God be with you kind of thing. So I think it works coming and going, but I don't know. Sure. So they shove a samosa in his mouth and, you know, send him on his way. His mother's freaking out. They also give him his father's ring to sell in case he needs it, which reminded me of another movie we watched, Doe. Yeah, yeah. That this is a comedy, so... And also, it kind of, it, it sparks in my mind a thing from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. What exactly from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? There's an heirloom ring that, like, it had something to do with, like, Jewish immigration okay. uh, from the old country. And, like, you know, we're, we're trying not to sell this, but we have it in a case of emergency. It's funny you bring up Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, because... Two of the actors in this movie are in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, who did... I have... Yes! Oh my god! That's where I've seen him before! Fucking... That's been driving me nuts. That's been making me absolutely crazy. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I don't remember the character's name, so I'm not gonna get into it, but I did make a note. It's like, oh hey, I know where you two are. I've seen you guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I am I am so glad you pointed that out. That was going to make me just that was going to be just a splinter in my brain. <laughs> anyway, as soon as he left India and got to America, I realized, oh, they put the foreign country filter over the scenes in India. Yeah. I don't know what filter exactly that is, but it's yeah, they sure did. He gets into airport and I said, can't forget it's the 70s, because there's, like, wall art that's very much of that era. Yeah, it's, like, yellow with, like, offset shadow cast orange. And, and like, like, the big loops. Yeah, big, thick letters spelling out Chicago in cursive, which is a thing we nobody, nobody reads anymore. And an immigration officer who is not just, like, immediately hostile. He's officious and yeah, short, but... He's not rude. Yeah. He's just like, you have 30 days next so that that's actually kind of important here so he has a job offer in his hand he has 30 days to apply for permanent citizenship or he'll be asked to leave hang on to that (laughs) i don't know if it's quite citizenship or if it's just permanent residence yes yeah or no it's a work visa jesus christ it's a work visa so he has to have permanent employment yes he has to have permanent employment to be eligible for a work visa he is very excited and hopeful, and it's 
a very uplifting scene. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. this guy's going to make it. It makes you feel like anything's possible. But naturally, stories have conflict. <laughs> yeah, and this one mirrors... So I checked because I happen to know several friends who come from immigrant backgrounds. So I checked on this. And what happens next is incredibly common. Like, not one person from an immigrant background that I spoke to was surprised at this. Did you check if this was common even today? The people I spoke to ranged from, like, their parents immigrated to they immigrated. Okay. And, like, yeah. Because, like, this didn't surprise me in the 70s when there wasn't instant communication. But I would hope that something like this has since changed or at least gone down. Yeah, but be that as it may, like, I could technically get an email while I'm on the plane or while I'm, you know, laid over in one of 12 places I'd have to lay over to get to India. Right. But it would still be like, look, I just sold everything. This is everything I have on the bet that you offered me a job. It's here in writing. What the fuck are you talking about? It's no longer available. Yeah. So, yeah. He gets there. They don't have an engineering job for him, but they say, hey, we have a draftsman job if you want it, which a temporary draftsman job if you want it. And he, you know, briefly mentions that, like, he can't do temporary and he will seek employment elsewhere. And he gets mugged. Yeah, that. But I also mentioned there's two really weird innuendos right back to back, which is part of the comedy yes. of the scene. Yes. Okay. So... It's actually good wordplay, I think, on his part. It just was unfortunate in its wording. So what he says is like, you know, the HR lady is like, oh, yeah, we've had some restructuring since this letter was sent. We no longer have the job available. And he's like, look, I'm here with not only my suitcase, but some very big expectations. She's like, well, you know, we got this draftsman job. He's like, no, 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 no. I need something permanent. It's like, well, sorry, we've had to tighten our belt here. And he goes. Well, you'll just have to undo your belt. And she's like, that would be highly inappropriate. (laughs) And so then he's like, very well. I'm sure the streets of America are just littered with engineering jobs. I shall go pound it. The streets. Yeah. (laughs) I like this actress. She's in a lot and I know her from Bones. I don't remember her name. I don't either. But I've seen her around and like, yeah, I don't want to say typecast necessarily, but. If you need a grumpy old black lady, you've seen this woman. Yeah. I mean, she does her job well, so. Yeah, yeah, no. Why not get the best? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, he gets mugged. His life's in the shitter. (laughs) The mugging, though, is hilarious. Okay, I I need to talk about the mugging. So, I'm so sorry, because I feel like I'm distracting you from the point here. That's Uh, fine. But this is amazing, because this guy, it looks like, for everything in the world, like Chris Pine, comes out from around the corner he's like hey 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 you he's like what he's like y- y- your your wallet i'm g- i need your wallet and the guy's like i'm being mugged and it- it's clear that he doesn't want to go through with it but his extremely large friend behind him with the switchblade very much does and so like at the end he gives like this like helpless uh, shrug to sami when the guy pulls a switchblade i was like the ambivalent mugger Not an energy I was expecting. That performance could have been in a comedy sketch where the mugging victim, like, corrects the, like, 
mannerisms of the mugger. It's like, no, yeah. you got to be more confident, you, and you hold the knife like this, and it's, uh, it's fu- it is funny, but it also sucks for Sammy. It sucks for Sammy because now not only – the only thing he has is a bunch of clothes. But he's at a fountain. A little girl comes up beside him, throws some coins in the fountain, and he's like, how – good is America that people can just throw money away and he damn near reaches into the fountain for some money. But he's interrupted by Babu. Babu who says, don't do that. They will, <laughs> they will get your ass. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. And which is true. They will get your ass. Yeah. But he says that it's like kind of a, a karmic retribution thing. Yeah. The children start screaming. Children start screaming and like, you know, mothers wish for pianos to fall in your head because you're breaking the children's hearts. Yeah. Babu kindly offers Sami a place to stay. He'll have to pay rent eventually, but he gives him a place. And Sami says, why are you being so nice? And he goes, well, I came here a year ago and I didn't have this kind of help. So good on yeah. Babu for paying it forward. Yeah. <laughs> I personally would be immediately suspicious of like, hey, I've got a place for you and you don't have to pay rent. Well, let's just say you don't pay money. Maybe it's different for girls. Yes, I do think that's a big thing. He also says, like, you'll pay when you get a job. Yeah. Like, it is, because we know that he's on the level, this is, like, an immense act of kindness. But I also understand why, realistically, this would be a lot of red flags. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, he's nice, affable. Like, there is a bit of rivalry between the countries, India and Pakistan. Babu comes from Pakistan, and he, he, like, when... What does he say about... Yeah, yeah so so he says, like, I came here a year ago from Pakistan, and Sami's like, uh, Sami, I came here eight hours ago, India. He's like, oh, yeah, better samosas, worse cricket. It's amazing how similar we are. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's true. They yeah. used to be the same country. Thanks, Britain. Anyway, the apartment that Babu is bringing him to has about 11 roommates. Maybe 13. More if there's cousins. And cousins' cousins. Ridiculous. These are the jokes, people. You have to watch the movie. Oh, it's, it's great. So they go through and they say, he is such and such, but he works as a taxi driver. He's such and such, but he works as this other, like a dish cleaner. All engineers. Oh, was it all engineers? All engineers. And like... The dudes are, like, driving taxis and, like, working convenience stores. One's a gigolo. There's a very funny joke that this guy, they're like, we thought he was Indian, but he's actually just black. (laughs) Actually, so that kind... mm. Oh, is that a thing about old Hollywood? Mm -mm. I don't don't know enough to, to talk about that one, but it sounds like he's, like, from Africa. Yes. I do know he was in a show called Sunnyside that didn't last very long. And he played an immigrant there. Don't worry, that's not important. But I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that guy. But a lot of very qualified people working jobs that don't match their skill sets. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, is the immigrant experience. It's such a long-running joke that, like, I want to say the middle seasons of 30 Rock, there was a joke about, like, Jack breaks up with his wife finally and, like, goes on kind of a bender and picks up like a, an Eastern European sex worker. And like in her country, she was like a doctor. It's a thing. It happens occasionally. Yeah. I think that's a big thing in like medical fields. I remember scrubs had a thing where like, there was a guy who was a full on doctor, 
but because he emigrated to the U.S., he had to go through the fucking what am I th- like intern mm, the, med okay, student so shit. His, his uh, uh, internship and everything. Yeah, that sucks. Not a major character, so it doesn't matter. But I thought that was like, oh hey, racism. But also, we got plenty of that, like for white people nowadays who have master's degrees and have to work at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. It used to be just xenophobia, and now it's just the way the world works. Thanks, capitalism. You're doing great, babes. Babu is really, has a very good outlook on this, though, that there is no shame in labor, in his eyes. Yeah, like, labor in itself is a good thing. However, it's contrasted with, you know, the reason that that view is so you know, enlightened is because the standard view is that all of these jobs are seriously degrading for people who are engineers. Like you spend a lot of time and money becoming extremely good at math and science and building shit, designing shit. Why are you slinging natty ice to fucking Joe Bob at a convenience store? Right. He says, with all these people, where do you sleep? And it's... Yeah, I said love a good cuddle puddle. (laughs) No, they're very bad. And like in the middle of the night, somebody will just like shout something. And I can't, I don't know what language it was in, but everybody just knows that that's the signal to roll over. That part sucks. That sucks ass. But it's really nice that there's a day where like four people are rushing around in the main area and Sami walks out and goes, what's happening? And they go, it's interview day. And they're like, Sami, get ready. You're interviewing. Job fair. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, need me a support system like this. Hell yeah. These folks, like, stop what they're doing, interrupt their entire schedule to shove Sami into a suit and throw him into this job fair. And they all rotate out. So, like, they'll do a couple interviews. They'll give their suit to somebody else and they'll do a few interviews. And the cycle continues until hopefully one of them gets an engineering job. Yeah. However, interviewing is hard. It is the most inscrutable part of the hiring process and one of the least useful to the employer. Yes. Sami gets asked the question, what brings you here today? And he starts off with like this very high-minded answer. And then he corrects himself because he thinks the question is way more literal of how did you get here? Yeah. So he goes from like, oh, you know. Ambition. Chasing a dream. Love even. Then he's like, oh. Air India. It's a nice airline. The bus. It's a little bit rough. The bus. No. My feet. Love to walk. God, I wish I wrote the fucking line that made me write this, but I go, was that gay subtext? Oh! I do remember. Oh! Babu is having trouble getting into an outfit, and Sami's helping him, but they're in a toilet stall. And he's like, it's not gonna fit! (laughs) It's like, you can... It'll fit. <laughs> oh, no, no. So so what what they did, this was amazing, because, like, you need a gay joke in a funny movie. Ha ha, isn't it funny? Some people fuck each other in the ass. In public restaurants. That's the... Yeah, the 70s were a different time. I was not alive in the 70s, to be clear. You're not that old. <laughs> so what it, what happens is, like, yeah, they're, they're switching suits. Sami and Babu are switching suits, and Sami is, like, helping him, like, get his pants up onto his waist while he's trying to like put on a shirt and like the clip on tie and everything and he's like up 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 ow 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 that hurts <laughs> don't don't bring it that far up it hurts 
And like a guy's coming out of the stall next to him, just like, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, it's funny, but like, ha ha ha, gay people, you know, misunderstandings and whatnot, whatever. Yep. No, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's funny. I just think the joke is overplayed. Yep. It's 2015. Find another joke. Uh, he gets a call from home. Hmm. Yeah, so everybody is really excited to hear about, like, how he's doing, and, like, he doesn't have the heart to tell him that, like, the situation has changed, and now he's living in an immigrant crash pad with, like, 14 other guys. And he certainly doesn't tell this to Ruby, who is very excited that he is in America, where her father is seeking suitors for her. One thing that annoyed me is that, like, he can't really get a word in edgewise because his mom keeps saying, like, oh, talk to this person, talk to this person. It's like, I'm not finished with the fucking sentence I was telling this other person. I mean, it's been a long time since I've actually, like, had a conversation with my parents. But, like, that sounds about right. Like, when I went to the military, like, I got calls and calls and calls and calls and nobody would let me talk until they'd had their fucking beast. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, I imagine with long distance calling and like probably charged by the minute, like you uh, gotta yeah. be it's efficient. It's the 70s. Long distance is a thing. <laughs> so, kids, Auntie Sophia has to explain this. Before there were cell phones, and in fact, even into the early days of cell phones, if you wanted to make a call, you would need to call like a call outside of your local area. You would need to pay extra. This was called long distance calling, and it was the best way to piss off your older relatives. Yeah. And if you were lucky, you could call someone collect and they'd accept the charges. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that never yeah. Happened. Also though, all his roommates are like waiting on uh, edge of their seats. No sense of privacy. No. But I was like, they're a bunch of bros, but not in like the toxic way. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're bros, but they're good bros. And so like, when he says, like, he, he, like, makes something up. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Everybody, all the guys are like, oh, congratulations, Sammy. That's great to hear. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. It's like, shut up, shut up. We're now in, like, we'll call it Act 2. And Act 2 opens with a clip of Sammy's dad. And this happens a few times throughout the movie. And it's a really nice way to mark, like, sections of the movie. Mm-hmm. But he says... Fine, I will take the draftsman job. Yeah. So every once in a while, he like reminisces about words of wisdom regarding tiger hunting from his dad. And that's going to get real funny in a bit. But yeah, so like he, he accepts the draftsman job basically on the advice of his dead father. Also, he needs a job. <laughs> that's true. If he doesn't have a job, he will become an illegal immigrant. And that is not where you want to be ever. No. I know you weren't alive in the 70s, but you are older than me, so perhaps you can illuminate this. Was the 70s just obsessed with microwaves? It was new technology at the time. Okay. Because, yeah, that's everything this company is focused on, at least as far as Sami is concerned. Yeah, so they were basically, they were building... A microwave oven. Anyway, he gets taken to, like, the basement to really hammer home that being a draftsman sucks. Ten out of ten, no notes. Yeah. And holy shit, it's Napoleon Dynamite. It sure is. Yes. Motherfucking John Heaters in this movie just pops up, takes a picture of Sami, 
And it's like, I love to take pictures of people in depressed states. And like, damn, yeah, dude. profoundly depressed people. <laughs> this low key reminds me of like the poverty porn of rent, but it is markedly different. Yeah. Yeah. Still a little exploitive, but not like the same level. Yeah. So John Hader's character. His name's Alex. If you Alex, want to just yeah, yeah. Oh, him. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Alex. So Alex is experimenting with a new photographic style in which the subject occupies the center bottom ninth of the photograph just to let the empty space kind of like crush down on people and make them look even more depressed. And Sami notes that, yeah, I can I can feel it. <laughs> Officially, Alex is a draftsman, but he's like, I'm much more of an artist, really. And it's like, yeah, you have big artist energy. Oh, Sami asks him advice of like how to move up. And the company goes, no one ever asks me advice. It's like, oh, no shit, because you're dipshit. <laughs> yeah. You're down here with weed guy, the guy whose name we never learn, and Sami. So, okay, makes sense. These are the guys who, you know, bond. So Alex takes Sami around to see everything. And we see the microwave division. Headed by a guy named Kenneth. We'll get to him. Kenneth is, if you take what car salesmen dressed like in like the late 80s, early 90s, that's Kenneth. I think like people would have looked at Kenneth and gone like, that is a cool guy in the 70s. Or like, that's a cool business person. But like, the fits are just atrocious. Yeah. Alex describes Kenneth and his team as professional Americans. And in getting into what that means, it's very clear that a professional American is just being a privileged white guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about baseball. It doesn't matter if you like baseball or not. Just talk about baseball. Oh, straight up. When they brought up baseball, I was like, oh, Sammy's going to make some comparison between baseball and cricket. Huh? Just He's just like, uh, actually, I don't like baseball. And then like Alex looks at him and he's like, Pirates, baseball. Got it. <laughs> Sami immediately starts on a path of like, okay, I will become an engineer because I only have, we'll call it 25 days <laughs> mm -hmm. at this point. So the way that he decides to do this is very bootstrappy, which I don't really like, but I understand, you know, if you're in the corporate structure, sometimes you gotta, you gotta do some shit. What he does is legally property theft, dumpster diving is not... 100% legal, kids. I mean, once something's in a dumpster, it is public property and you can just take it. Yeah, I'm not... It's technically true, but... The dumpster is on private property. Yes, that's where it becomes, like, iffy. Yeah. So, yeah, so the microwave division is blowing up microwaves left and right. They can't get it right. And Sami takes one of the junked models and takes it home to try to figure out the problem. So, yeah. He figures if he can solve the problem, they'll make him an engineer, which not the worst line of thinking. It's not the worst line of thinking, but also it's desperate and almost certainly won't. It's not like a plan that will work in 25 days. No, but he goes home, he's working. There was a really funny scene where him and Babu are on their balcony. And <laughs> there's a trope in here that I really love. I don't know the name for it. But basically, Babu's pushing Sami to open up about his problems, and Sami's resistant. And then as soon as Babu's like, all right, fine, and walks away, then Sami 
does it without any more prompting. Oh, yeah, reverse psychology. Basically. I always think it's funny. But we also learned that Babu's dream is to own a particular kind of Dodge Charger that was used in the Dukes of Hazard. The General Lee. Yeah. Trash. Cop car nowadays. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna yuck some yums. Although we also do learn oh, help me out with this, Kyle. Like in comforting Sami, Babu says something about like you could be doing this one kind of pathetic thing, and like one of the guys was like, Babu, that was a private conversation. He says, You're lucky. Some of these guys would be lucky to have a girl sneeze on them. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of these guys haven't yet had a girl sneeze on them. Babu, that was a private conversation. Oh, it's so funny. I also mentioned that basically every culture wants their daughters to marry doctors, it feels like. Yeah. Some cultures have more say in that than others. Hey, we're in one of those cultures. I know, yeah. (laughs) Shirujin are definitely a thing. Anyway, so we get this montage of Sami just working and working and working. And one thing that surprised me is, like, he has a table that he can work on. I'm like, you live with 11 other dudes. How the fuck are you able to reasonably commandeer a whole fucking table? Serious shit. What the fuck is that about? And then just, like casually one of the guys because remember they're all engineers just walks in and be like you have to adjust the waveform generator and like moves this one little thing a little bit and he's like don't touch well, actually yeah no that works that, that might work sami is very resistant to getting help and i kind of get it because it's like he wants to do it himself yeah there's a next part where he's like doing the business of being a business person you know what i mean yeah Business almost administration more than like the actual or corporate schmoozing. Yeah, yeah. So it's this taco thing, right? That and then like every other thing in the sequence of him like getting in good with everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. But especially the tacos. But it reminded me of how to succeed in business without really trying. Yeah, uh, that's a good it. musical. Check it out if you like musicals. I do. I do. Uh, I'll have to take a look. I'm gay. I love musicals. What can I say? Oh my. So Sami's still having trouble with the fucking microwave and he walks by a hair salon and he mm-hmm. sees women heating up a pizza with a hair dryer and I go, well, of course, man takes an idea from a woman and takes the credit. Doesn't come up till way later, but of course yeah, that fucking so, happens. <laughs> yeah, that plants to see because we see this happen twice in a row. Like as he's walking with the microwave down the street the first time, we see these two exact same women. Exact same hairdryer, exact same slice of pizza. And like they're laughing, having a great time. And like the hairdresser like heats it up with the blow dryer. And then like they're ha 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 eating. So this is actually the reminder in our rule of threes. Yes. Alex is also over at the apartment because Sami thinks that he has it. It's better, but it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. So then Babu says like, oh, I'll make chicken tikka. I think he, yeah, I think he said he was going to make, because he has a really good chicken tikka recipe. Yeah. And I like that Alex was like, yeah, I'll eat. Yeah. So Alex is really cool. You know, he tries to keep everybody like, you know, on the same level in his head. So like he, he tries not to be racist or classist. And like, he's, you know, one of the few people who's engaging with like this one apartment full of 13 Indian guys, you know. And, like, engaging with that, you know, honestly and without prejudice. 
Yeah. He also is like, this is the best I've ever had. It's also the only I've ever had. So clearly it's the only this I've is, ever had, but it's yeah. really good. This was clearly his first time trying, and it's like, hey, good for you. Yeah, and so, okay, as somebody who has been told I need to cook professionally, I definitely get it. Like, when you find out that, like, this is the thing that you make the best, yeah, it's it's a really nice moment. It's great to hear that. I love it. From here, though, Bob was like, I have something to show you. And the next, like, morning, him, Alex, and Sami go to what we think for a moment is Babu's car or not. He, it's not his car, but he says it's his friends who will let him take pictures with it. And it's a general league car. American culture has always been really fucking weird. Yeah. Turns out the guy is not his friend. And actually Babu's been like, has told him before, get the fuck off my car. Yeah. Babu's like been indirectly harassing him. I'll call it. We'll call it that. Yeah. And <laughs> I said, yeah, a Dukes of Hazard fan might be, Less than tolerant of non-white people. <laughs> I've not actually seen Dukes of Hazard. The car is literally called General Lee. Yeah. They make some mention that Ruby is visiting a man who has a castle. Yeah. <laughs> and through discussion with his friends, Sami comes to realize, probably not a literal castle, just a house. Yeah. Alex is like, oh yeah, my dad calls his house a castle, but we don't live in a castle. They get there. It's a mansion. <laughs> Like it's it's a mansion with rounded, castellated <laughs> pillars, columns. Co- uh, spire? No, it's not a spire. It's oh, what do you call the the things? The 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 towers that stick off of a castle. Oh god, I'm trying to remember. I can't. I can't but remember either. But yeah, so this is absolutely a castle. So like say a man's house is his castle isn't literal, but a mansion is pretty damn close. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, the difference between a castle and a mansion, especially in the old days, was how big the wall was and how many men you had guarding it. So his friends encourage him to take a picture in front of the mansion and pass it off as his own so that he is Alex is cool with this. It's very easy to, like, give up other people's stuff because officially it's his parents. Yeah. But yeah, Alex, Alex points out, like, look, this is just biding time. You know, this gives you the time to, like, actually be successful and keep you in the ball game long enough that you might have a shot. Mm-hmm. He he does baseball with oh yeah the company. Yep, yep. And while, like, leaving the game, he hands off some redesigns for the microwave to Kenneth, the head engineer. They're like, hey, you want to grab some brews? And it's like, yes. Does this place have tea? And it's like... <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, I, I'm sure they do. I, I, I've never had it, but I'm sure it's delicious. And the next thing I have is that Babu does get a General League car. It's a piece of shit, but it is a General League car. Yeah, it is hot, wet garbage on fire, but it is the General League. This thing is rusted out. Some of the panels are not generally colored. Yeah. Anyway, this next part, things do not go well because... Ruby and the general say, hey, we're coming there on Saturday. Saturday is a bit tight. So he begs. All right. So he's on his knees in the bathroom with Alex. (laughs) And it's only slightly less sexual than I made it sound. He's begging Alex to borrow his parents place for the night to impress the general and Ruby. And eventually he relents and agrees because his parents will be out for the night. Mm -hmm. Oh, I way jumped ahead. Did you? Yeah. What well, sorry. There is a part where apparently 
Sammy, while working as a draftsman, gets plans for the microwave that he designed, and he goes to confront Kenneth. Right. And I wrote, what camera angle are they using? Because it's this, it's like a diagonal. Oh, that's a Dutch angle. Is that what that is? Yeah. I thought Dutch angle was like underneath, sort of, but. No, 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 no. That's a, that's a. a... Something else. I've lost the name. Listener, the hardest part of my job here is keeping the technical names for all of this stuff in my mind. I have like four jobs and this is the only one that requires <laughs> me to know this shit. But yes, Dutch angle. I was like, oh, hey, that's a good use because like things are not going well for Sami. Mm-mm. No, they are not. Oh, they, they're like, hey, I did give you credit. The boss said you're king for a day. And that day was last Wednesday, so sorry, but it's like, god damn, Kenneth. Jackass. Yeah. After that encounter is when he talks to Alex in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. We're back on track. So he gets screwed over, like his designs get used in the microwave, and he gets screwed over for any recognition on it. And you know what? That's what happens when you try to prove your worth by fixing a busted product. It also, in the end, does not matter, because his plans don't really fix the problem. They make the microwave not explode, but it still doesn't heat the food. <laughs> well, no, no. Okay, so so no, this is this is the one where, like, Kenneth's like, I'm pretty sure this is still going to explode. Right. But, it, I mean, it appears to work. So the problem is you can either heat the food heterogeneously, so, like, that's, like, you'll have warm spots and cold spots, or... You know, like a Hot Pocket. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, Hot Pockets are the, like... The reason that microwaves kind of suck. Like, those are, like, if you need a clear illustration of why microwaves kind of suck, hot pockets. But yeah, if you cook hot pockets in the oven, not only are you kind of silly for doing so, but like, you'll get it hot all the way through, but you'll probably burn it. Yeah. Anyway, I made a note that I did not expect this to be the favor that Sami asked for. I thought it was going to be, hey, Alex, talk to your dad, the CEO of the company. And ask him to make me an engineer. Not, hey, Alex, let me borrow your house for an evening. Well, I mean, I kind of saw it coming a little bit. Because, like, as soon as they're like, you know, let's take a picture of you in front of this castle. I'm like, that's going directly to Ruby's dad. And then they're going to come up. Her dad's going to be impressed. And they're going to have to figure out how to make this look like his place. Yeah. Anyway... It's Babu, it's Sami, and it's Alex. They gotta get the place ready. Babu's comment immediately upon entering is, this does not smell like an Indian man lives here. <laughs> I was mm. like, oh, that's gonna bite them in the ass. Mm, yeah. I refuse to make any comment on that. Yeah, that's fine. Moving forward. <laughs> they redecorate because you gotta. And I said, this is an absolute upgrade. It was yeah, so honestly, boring before. <laughs> it, it was it was extremely sterile. It looked like a hunting lodge for rich weirdos. And it's a Rocky Horror line. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, it's October. They get done. The general comes in. Alex is acting as the butler and Babu is the chef. Mm -hmm. Throughout this next part where they're walking through the house, there's the, these weird fades between shots. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing here, but okay. Yeah. The shots didn't make a whole lot of sense here, but they were fun. Yeah. So what we end up doing is like, you know, Sami brags a bit to the general about, you know, how his life is going and like talks a little bit of shit. And it's like, you know, just showing that he's a he's a big man 
and the general is impressed and not at all concerned that a man came to America like a week ago and now has a castle. He talks to Ruby just themselves for a moment, and I thought he might have come clean here. He doesn't. Then they're talking more, and he says, General, can I talk to Ruby in private again? And first I think he says, you may woo her. You have my permission to woo her. Yes, and then goes, Sami, when we do military trainings, we don't use live ammunition. I'm like, jeez, calm the fuck down, General. Yeah, that's the line. That's the line. But they go into a room, and Sami recreates a scene that we had seen earlier, where in the earlier scene, they lie in the grass, they look up at the stars in the night sky. It's amazing. Here, they lie on carpet, and he has like a star projector thing, and it's still very cute. Mm -hmm. It is adorable, and honestly, like, I'd be into it. Yeah. This was another trope that's always a fun thing. He goes, I need to tell you the truth. And she goes, I know. And then comes up with a different conclusion than what he intended to say. In this case, she knew that he was sabotaging the moped. Yep. And like, that you didn't know that she knew? Like, come on. She's been sending very clear signals on this. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily that Sami thought she didn't know. But she thought he was coming clean. About that, yeah. Yeah, and, it, you know, misunderstandings and whatnot. Anyway, they have dinner. It's a good dinner because Babu's cooking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And General's saying, like, Sami, you did great. And he goes, usually greatness skips a generation, but both you and your father are great. I'm like, hey, you didn't need to bring his dad into this. I know it's an important part of the movie, but hey, no need to do that. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was not great. No. So then Sami does a thing that, while honest and correct, was perhaps not the tactically smartest thing to do, and comes clean to all assembled. Right, but I think bringing up his dad made him realize it's like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this the right way. Well, I think there might be another way to do that, but sure, fuck up the entire evening. Which, honestly, was about to get fucked up anyway. So, the General and Ruby are both extremely incensed to have been lied to, and they try to leave, but... But Alex's parents come back, and Kenneth is also with them. I mean, who gives a shit? But Kevin Pollack, the dad and CEO, is just like a huge freak. He's like, you guys are intruders. It's like, well, technically Alex did invite everyone. Yeah. So, from a legal standpoint, no, they're not. But huge, like I'm gonna call the. He's like, I'm gonna call the police. It's it becomes a shit show. The cherry on top of this shit show is the microwave explodes. Right. Yeah. Babu comes out with it, smoking still, and like he's covered in shit. And Kenneth is just like he makes a, an explosion gesture. I was just like, pow! What a dick. Yeah. There's a there's a nice way to do that, asshole. Yeah. Babu gets arrested, detained, something of that nature, because he has overstayed his work visa. And right? this is the low po- Well, it's not that he overstayed his work visa at this point. It's just he was a brown man intruding on a white, a rich white man's home. So, like, okay. he, of course he went to jail. Yeah. And when he got out, he had missed a shift at his valet job. And that is why he was no longer welcome in the United States. 
Yeah. I'm shocked that Sami didn't get fired, but... Honestly, me too. Oh, actually, we find out why. Alex vied for him, and because he's the CEO's son, he can save someone's job. However, he did so at great personal sacrifice, because he now has to work in the mailroom, and can't do his artsy shit. Yeah, and... Okay, so I've never done this exact thing before because it's a ridiculous thing to end up doing. But I have in the past misstepped or misspoken with a friend such that they're like, I need some time away from you. And this is easily the chillest, classiest, and nicest way to put it. So Sami comes up and he's like trying to joke around with them. And like kind of apologizes half-assed for like everything that's happened. And yeah, Alex was just like, look, dude, no offense, but I think we need to chill like alone. And I was like, no offense. Like you're, you're telling him like you're putting a pause on your friendship. Like I get it, but also like A plus, like that's, that's the best way you could put that. Mm-hmm. Definitely thought we weren't going to see the last of Babu, but he's like kind of back. Yeah, so he's basically selling his belongings on the street, and it looks like he might be living on that carpet, which is not great. Mm -hmm. The General Lee got impounded, and this is all Sonny's fault. I don't remember what I wrote this in reference to, but I said Babu really exemplifying the American dream for immigrants. Yeah. I think it's the, the line he keeps repeating of, like, even a street sweeper owns a car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does have a thing where he's like, in America, even the street sweeper has a car. And like... Hey, that's where we got our intro from. Mm-hmm. Not sure about that. <laughs> Not in 2021. Well, I don't know. In 2021, you kind of, in a lot of places, you need a car. I happen to be in the comfortable position of not needing a car now. Finally. Yeah, right? Anyway... They take that metaphor into literal because Sami sees a street sweeper and he's like, I have to get Babu. And when they both get back to the street sweeper, he finishes up his work and he gets in his car. Yeah. And it's like, it kind of picks Babu back up. Yeah. Yeah. So he was right. So like, all right, well, now we got to get the General Lee out of Hawk. No, I think I might have skipped ahead a little bit. Yeah, a little bit because he has his call with his mom. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Bubba Bat phone. I don't know if that's something you're familiar with, Kyle. (laughs) I can figure out what you mean. So the grapevine is a thing in which close-knit cultural communities share information faster than the speed of light. So if you shit your pants on the street corner, by the time you get to the other street corner and your home, everyone, everyone, everyone from here to fucking Hoboken has heard about it. This is really well exemplified in the movie Easy A. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, so Sami's mom knows that he isn't a successful engineer. He's not doing great. And Sami's like feeling remorseful and he's like, you know, I, I failed to live up to dad's expectations. He was this great tiger hunter. And Sami's mom is like, what are you talking about? He killed the one tiger just once. Everybody just remembered him for that one thing. Right. But she also says they didn't remember him because he killed the tiger. They remembered him and loved him because he, like, protected his village and he was involved in the celebration. They loved him because he danced with them in the streets afterward. Yeah, and we see, you know, some B-roll from that Bollywood number from the beginning where 
he palms some food to some beggar kids and like i can't remember what he does for the kid who got mauled but he does something for the the kid who got mauled he like helped him into a truck i think yeah well no that was the guy who lost his arm oh i thought that was the same person no no, no. there was a there was a little kid who got mauled because if you remember in that sequence the guy with one arm comes out of the jungle to say hey the tiger is the yes. tiger mauled this kid yes now i remember okay but yeah you see him do all these acts of kindness sammy has this revelation of like oh that's what my father's legacy really was and then i think we also flash back here to when he helped the woman with her electronics yep yep that's where the i see your father and you thing comes back mm -hmm. i said he's finally started embracing his community because he asks his roommates for help with this microwave yes and they are all very talented engineers and they all go to task immediately also, throughout this movie, we've been getting, like, these title cards of and, like, different stuff. It's really neat. But one recurring one is how many days until this, like, huge presentation regarding the microwave. And at this point, I think it's 48 hours, at least at the start of the sequence. Yeah, something like. So, at this point, it's a huge time crunch. Like, they have 48 hours to, as a team, figure out why this fucking microwave keeps goddamn exploding. And fix it. They finally put the hair dryer in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the the solution that they found is that they're overheating the one spot with the microwave emitter. So they need convection to spread around the warm air. So they, they borrow... It isn't the gigolo. It's the guy who's, whose face is a little bit sharper. He didn't have much else distinguishing about him, so I don't yeah. remember. So this guy, this guy has a, a sharper face structure... I thought he was a little more handsome than the guy who was a gigolo. But anyway, he's he's blow-drying his hair, and Sonny's like, uh, we need to borrow this. And <laughs> and so they, they push it in the side of the microwave, and it works. It's perfect. Oh, that's right. The guy, who's, the guy who smokes weed. The guy who smoked weed in the draft room. Yeah. He's also there. He's the yes. only white guy on the project. Winston, we learn his yes. name is. So they get all the people. They go down to the presentation place, and it's right at the time. And they get everyone in. I think Sami introduces the people twice. It's very mm -hmm. funny. And Kevin Pollock's character, I'm not going to learn his name, actually kind of gets the names right. He's like, well, Perfect. so. And, so. and one of them leans over and goes, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, the the, uh, the African guy was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Which especially for hearing them for the first time. Yeah, there's like 15 of them. And like, he like introduces all of their names. And, and yeah. Kevin Pollock's character just rattles them right back off. It's like, okay, what are Sami and and Babu and all these other people doing here? Because <laughs> like, oh, that's pretty good. Anyway, their design works. Cool. Classic yeah. end of movie moment of triumph. They hand the plans to Kenneth and Kevin Pollock's character is like, Kenneth, will it explode? And he looks at it, he's like, I don't think so. This is good. Oh, I want to mention this. Sami did sell his father's ring so that I think it's to buy the the general back for Babu as well as a food cart. Yes. Yeah. So recognizing that the greatness in Babu lies in his cooking ability, they got him a food cart where he can sell samosas and chicken tikka, all the good stuff. And he's actually really excited about this. Things wrap up very nicely for people. Sami has a conversation with Kevin Pollock, and he says, so what do you want? 
He goes, I want you to hire all these people. They're brilliant engineers, and you're an idiot for sleeping on them. And he's like, okay, so what do you specifically want? And he's like, well, you know, my dad was a great man, and I want to live up to his expectations, and I'd like to do that here. And he's like, well, you did a good job corralling these guys here. I think we might have like a engineering management thing a that team we can leader. work out. Yeah, a team leader thing that we can work out for you. So I was slightly confused. Did he stay at the job? I think he did. I think so as well, but it was a little unclear because they more or less do a goodwill hunting ending where the movie actually ends by him driving off to basically California to go after Ruby. Yeah. So he's writing a letter of apology to Ruby as the, you know, the ending music is swelling to its crescendo and like I like that it ends here. I like mm-hmm. that it doesn't answer the question, does Ruby take him back? Does Ruby forgive him for this shit? Right. But that's our movie. Roll credits. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's a very good movie. I'm glad. I, I love watching like indie films when I like look through stuff. So I'm glad I found this one. It's a nice, it's a nice movie. It's a very, very good movie. What would you like to discuss first? Okay, so fortunately, this has begun changing, but we need to talk about colonialism in India. Okay, no, bad. This is a bad thing. So colonialism in India has historically fucking wrecked the joint. So India, the idea of a like coherent India as it is currently shaped is strange historically speaking so there's a linguistic and cultural division between like sanskritic languages and devanagari i think is the other language family dravidic no dravidic languages and so so sanskritic and dravidic languages are the two large language families present in what we would today call india and typically cultures do divide on linguistic lines as often as geographic so the idea of like the Dravidic areas of the subcontinent and the Sanskritic areas, like they do share some cultural artifacts in common, mostly because they're like live in pretty much the same place and have a long, 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 long history together. It makes sense that there is cultural interplay, but they are different enough that they probably should not have been one country and i don't know how hot a take that is in terms of like how indians would feel about that but like if there were no british colonialism it's not clear that the subcontinent would be the three countries that make it up today pakistan india and bangladesh there is an enormous amount of cultural and linguistic diversity there so that leads one to the question why is it one thing the answer is Britain. And Britain has uh, historically conquered places and forced them to grow cash crops, which were exported to places where those cash crops could be made into raw materials, which could be made into finished products elsewhere. And that has left the Indian subcontinent economically kind of wrecked. Poverty remains a huge problem. So I want to talk specifically, though, about the idea of the British school in India being like the place you go for the good education. So 
I'm not an expert in any of this, but it is my observation that this has started to change. There, there are a lot of technical universities in India that are keeping pace with, with their regional counterparts. I don't have information on whether or not how they compete with like US degrees. I think that's still, you know, in terms of prestige, it's still, it's still preferred, but there's a lot of like India has its own space program. And I think there's a bias towards hiring people who studied in India. I think, I think I'm so bad at this, (laughs) but yeah. So British occupation of India has lasting issues to this day and I think that the idea of the British school being like of, you know, notable prestige is one of them. And the fact it's not, it shouldn't be lost on anybody that you have to pay to go to the British school. And as we saw in the movie, you have to pay pretty steeply. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of one's conception of one's father being altered by having to sell one's hunting jacket and one's rifle. So this is if you want to collect your words, I have a little Yeah, yeah, on go that. go for go for your thing and then I'll come back. Sammy says that the hunting jacket and gun and whatnot is what made his father who he was. But then at the end of the movie his mother said his legacy is not really that of being the tiger hunter. It's more about what he did for the community and how he was involved there. So it's curious that Sami said that the hunting stuff defined him when really, for most other people, that's not the case. Okay, so I think, you know, when you form memories as a child, there is a a lack of nuance. As, As you age, you lose the nuances of those memories. And so what remains are you know, a construction of your father from other memories, but what you really clearly remember was the hunting jacket and the rifle. So when those memories are kind of like violated, like when he had to sell his hunting jacket and his rifle, it's it, it was kind of like, well, this memory doesn't make sense anymore. It's It's lost its clarity because that's what the memory was focused on. And like, you can still construct your father from like other memories that you have and your brain does that, Okay, it's not great, but so this is this is a thing. I think it's interesting that that's that sort of like it makes sense that that's where he remembers what he remembers of his father because again, child memories lack nuance and the nuance fades over time. Things I wanted to talk about first off is collectivism and collaboration. We love it. Yes, and this movie makes a very strong case for it. Sami is successful in most of what he does because of the help from others. He is very brilliant in his own right, but he was not able to pay his own way just by himself to get to America. He was not able to solve the microwave problem just by himself. He was not able to fool Ruby and the general just through his own gumption. He needed the help of others, and that's not a bad thing. It kneecaps the idea of rugged individualism, and I'm all about that. Rugged individualism has done more damage to the American psyche and economy and society than any other single thing. Yeah, we can appreciate that Sami works hard on his own, but ultimately it's clear that he does 
better work and generally better work is produced through collaboration and yeah. working together. Also, as we said throughout, love a good support system in 11 roommates. And I'm like, I kind of wish I lived in an area that had more elbow room, but still that kind of like closeness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like if it was an apartment building where everyone has like their own area, but it's still like working together. What are they what's called? Co-ops? Or is that more like... Co-living, I think, is what you're looking for. There's something in, like, New York, I feel like. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's co-living is what that's called. I know what you're talking about. It's essentially a commune that you pay for. Yeah. That's like, okay, yeah, let's... We get space that's ourselves, and it's important to have privacy in your own space. But also, we help each other. Yeah, and it's good. So, this sort of reminds me a little bit. The last, like, while you were talking about collectivism and cooperation mm-hmm. i couldn't help but think about so i i've i've mentioned my obsession with the game warframe before on this podcast and i absolutely love it and i remember two separate songs and i'm going to link the songs in the show notes but there are two so far through the game that i've played musical numbers that that are completely original to the game one is when you find the debt colony Fortuna on Venus, and then it's this work song that like so everybody in Fortuna like is in debt to this this corporation that kind of exists throughout the system, and like some people have like opted to replace body parts, and this colony is just like everybody who's you know fallen behind on their payments, and they sing this this work song at the beginning is just just a delight. It's a grim delight, but it is delightful. So that's the the collectivism thing, and so it's called "We All Live Together." So then the other thing, the other tune, because like there is a an idea about you know collectivism. It's like, well, you just want to do less work, and like, no, that's not it at all. It's just we recognize that you know when we all work together, we get more done. Like glorifying actual labor, a member of that corporation has a a number a little bit later in the game where essentially like she was working and then like there was an attack and like she was the only survivor and she had kind of a a sea song not a sea shanty necessarily but a work song specifically nautically themed that really like glorifies like we work like we enjoy working we want to work and then like when you put the two together like we do want to work we just would prefer to be cooperative instead of competitive Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop thinking about that while you're talking about that. The other major thing is this movie has great themes of like legacy and what it means to matter to other people. Mm-hmm. So Sami is obsessed with being great for a couple reasons. I'd say the biggest is to impress Ruby because he basically says as much in the beginning. Yep. But he wants his success to be in the form of his job, which a lot of people, I mean, take pride in your work. I get it. But he's very concerned about what other people think is a big thing, but he also misunderstands the legacy of his father. And we touched on that earlier, so I won't rehash it, but I thought, I just thought that was really interesting. Sami, I mentioned this, Sami's so concerned about what other people think. Well, I will say that when you live in a community where the community is involved in everyone's life like that, it's kind of unavoidable. I get that. I think that's all I have on discussion. Is there anything else you want to discuss? No, no. 
Okay. This was a very yeah. fun movie that I yeah. uh, that I adored. Also, I want to try Babu's Tikka Masala. Anything you want to say about this that's not discussion analysis? Nope. I have a few things. Okay, go ahead. I thought the cinematography was really neat, both with like inserting the father's clips. Those were really cool. Some of the angles and we talked about the Dutch angles and just like framing. It's a very colorful movie, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because it's like strongly Indian influenced or if that's because it's set in the 70s and like people when they make 70s media make it like very vibrant. Maybe yes. Yeah. On that. But very cool. One thing I thought was very curious is Sami's a real per not a real person in the most literal sense, but his character is like pretty fully formed mm-hmm. in that he has flaws, but they're pretty subtle, in my opinion. Yeah. Like he's very driven and that ends up making him like be sort of self-centered and blinded to just his life. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a interesting piece of writing advice I saw, which is like traits are not inherently positive or negative qualities are not inherently positive or negative it's context and intensity so like sami's honest that's pretty positive until it like ruins his relationship yeah with ruby so like it's very interesting that like he has qualities that are admirable but also he subtly takes them a little too far and it like turns a little negative yep last thing i have is apparently this movie was partly funded on Kickstarter and apparently for $10 you could have gotten a poster, a digital poster, but a poster nonetheless signed by the cast. And it's like, damn, for $10 you could have had a poster signed by Danny Pudi and John Heater and all these other people. Damn, wish I'd have known about that. Yeah, that was back in 2013. That was way before I was on Kickstarter. Yeah. All right, ratings. Okay, so enjoyability i really like this movie i'm gonna say seven and a half i'm gonna say an eight it's a great movie you know what i'll bump it up i'll go eight yeah it's a good solid movie you know it didn't have any of the pretentious nonsense that you typically like you can find in independent film like liberal arts (sighs) yeah like liberal arts callback (sighs) don't listen to that episode guys it's terrible also we lose our goddamn minds no actually by all means, it's fine. take a listen. Yeah, it, it's it's fine. Yeah, but so yeah, like douchey shit, like you know, you saw in liberal arts that mm-hmm. that shit is not present here. It's just it's a good solid movie that didn't have the backing of a studio. Yeah. As for obscurity, I did not know this movie existed. I think this is. I mean, it did the film show. Or it did the film festival thing. It's got some names attached to it. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got enough names attached to it that if you were just perusing IMDb for some reason, a freak of nature, then you might come across it. So, I don't know, I'll I'll say six. I was going to say six and a half. Yeah, I have a six. As we wrap up our episode, we go into our pop culture pop-outs, a piece of pop culture that we've been into as of late sophia what do you got for us i've been moving the last week i honestly have not been consuming all that much popular media you got a backlog thing i wish i should i had a thing and then i lost it and i don't know what the hell happened to it oh yeah oh here we go here we go i got one so i like many people were taken with 
the pimple popper video craze on YouTube and Instagram a few years back. Well, that obsession has progressed. And, you know, I have an entire analysis of the 1987 horror gore classic Hellraiser that revolves around moderation and what happens when, you know, your occasional excess becomes your new normal and you seek further excess and and where that leads inevitably. So my occasional excess of pimple popping videos has become my normal. And now my occasional excess is hoof care YouTube. So cows require regular hoof trimmings. And sometimes because of the structure of a hoof, there are problems that involve no small amount of pus. So if you got something out of the buildup of tension and release in a pimple popping video, hoof care YouTube might be for you. This is making me ill, but that's okay. It's what? It's making me ill, but that's okay. Sorry. No. Mine this week is a wonderful podcast called Story Break, where these three screenwriters from Rocket Jump come up with a movie pitch in an hour. And as of the release of this episode, they will have finished their four and a quarter year run because two of them sold the script and they're like, you know what? We're not going to be able to devote sufficient time to this. So we're going to just cut it, which Hmm. is too bad, but it's a, it's a really fun podcast and kind of like ours. You don't need to watch any other episode really to get what's happening in any given episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Interesting. Yeah, that's a shame that that's uh, coming to an end. But hey, glad they made good. Sophia, where can people find you online? I am at Hamilcar Renina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A on Twitter. I am at Sophia Helena Maestatricht on Quora and Medium. On Medium, I have my queer analysis project, Queering House. I have The Fifth Columnist, which is my rogue political opinions, not affiliated with my current employer. And I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to do the, the thing with the DeVere Torah, but I have not gotten around to it yet. I am on Instagram at Sophia H underscore MDT. Don't find me on Facebook. And that is, I'm on, I'm Sophia Elena Mace on YouTube as well. Kyle, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Kyle the Giggles. I am on Tumblr under Hebrew Hammer. And I am on Letterboxd, also under Hebrew Hammer. Awesome. Awesome. I'd like to give a big thank you to Sophia, who, as she mentioned, is recording this while moving. And I moved about a month ago, so I know that's a huge pain. So I'm very grateful that she was able to join us. My back has never hurt this bad. I'm looking at the Zencaster and there are four Kyles. (laughs) If you would like, there is a link at the bottom of the show notes where you can leave a voice message so you can contribute to our podcast, whether by leaving your own pop culture pop out or talking about the movies that we discuss. But in order to talk about the movies, Sophia, what are we watching next time? Next time we'll be watching Big Time Adolescence. (sighs) You know, I, I made a big portion of this list and I don't guarantee that I like all of these. And this is one that I'm just like, man, I'm not excited to watch it again. I'm not excited to watch it for the first time. Yeah. You gave me a quick synopsis, and I'm like, all right, I already hate this. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed your time. And 
honestly, of all movies, check out The Tiger Hunter. This one's one of the better ones we've watched. It's so good. So, goodbye. Bye.